the general manager, I don't even remember his name. He pulls us into the conference room and he said, you guys, I just have to say it has been such an honor working for the great Jeff and Jer show. And I'm thinking, oh, well, that's awfully nice. This guy's going to retire. He's moving on. He's telling us it's kind of nice. <laughs> He's going to give us and an award. Goes, right. Something. And he goes, but today was your last day on the air. And like my jaw just dropped. I, I just looked at Jeff and Jeff just had like these spaced out eyes. And I looked at Tommy. Tommy was already on his phone. Tommy trying to get a job. Another job right quick. Ben's Town President Dave Chachi Dennis loves radio. And all of his radio friends. Hey, Chachi. Hey, everybody. Because Chachi loves everybody. <laughs> I am so excited to welcome Laura Kane. If you do not know Laura, she's been in radio for 30 years, which I don't think that's possible, but it's in her bio. So I will say, okay, 30 years. Uh, she was part of the popular Jeff and Jer uh, morning show for 27 of those years. But I would say popular probably isn't a strong enough word to describe Jeff and Jer. They were absolutely legendary. And uh, I started my career uh, so fortunately getting to work at a radio station that uh, they were doing mornings on. Uh, Jeff and Jer's show was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame in 2016. So Laura's picture actually hangs in the museum in Chicago today. So uh, please welcome Laura Kane. Hi, Laura. Hey, Chachi. What's going on? So excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. And you know what's something weird? Um, the other day I was down in OB. Ocean Beach is down here in San Diego. And I took a picture with this guy who was selling T-shirts uh-huh. and he posted it. He he just arrived here in San Diego like a year ago. So he posted it on his Instagram and later he got a hold of me and he said, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> who are you? People like knew who you were, who are my friends, but I don't know who you are. Who are you? <laughs> like, oh my God, it must be people that used to listen to Jeff and Jer. That's what. So Laura is joining us from uh, wonderful San Diego. That's where I went to college and got my start uh, in radio. And if you've not been to San Diego, it's called America's Finest City. And I think for a wonderful reason, I'm in Los Angeles now and I I absolutely love LA, but uh, there is something so incredible about San Diego. And have you been there your whole life? Is that where you were born? I was actually born in Hollywood. Oh, so actually very close, very close to where I am now. I'm in Glendale. That's where I grew up. Are you serious? I'm not even kidding. No way. Where in Glendale are you? I mean, are, like, what area? I live literally right north of, uh, I'm just north of the 134 freeway where I, is where I live. And then our studios, we're in the Glendale Galleria office tower. Okay, stop it. I used to work <laughs> at the Glendale Galleria at Nordstrom. Get out. In the stock room. I'm not joking. Oh my God. So Nordstrom moved across the street to the Americana, but we are literally in the office tower, actually right next to where, so Nordstrom is now a Dick's Sporting Goods and we are literally okay. right next to the Dick's Sporting Goods. We've been here for okay. uh, five years. We were in uh, Toluca Lake prior to that. How cool. What a well, small world. So where did you grow up in Glendale? I grew up closer to La Crescenta. Okay. Still Glendale, but cl- near Verdugo Road. You know where Verdugo yeah. Road is? Yeah. Okay, like across the street from Verdugo Road in Montecito Park. No so, way. 
Yeah. That is on. I first got my, the reason I got introduced to Glendale is I moved up here to LA to work right after I was working with you in San Diego to work at Kiss FM and they were in Burbank. And at that time there was a lot of consolidation. And so uh, Clear Channel, J-Core, AM, FM all came, became one company within the scope of maybe a year. And so I was okay. very fascinated in programming and was able to transfer to K-Big and Coast that was located at the time right here in Glendale. So I got the job there as a programming coordinator for Johnny K and really liked Glendale. And so I've been here since 2002. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. That's how long I've lived in Glendale. And I've been in LA since uh, the year 2000, so 22 years, which just blows my mind. That is incredible that it's been, okay. I feel like we used to work together, like maybe five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem that long ago. Uh, blow, my God. Uh, blows my mind. And thank you for taking the time to do this. It's great to reconnect with you. So tell me about growing up in Glendale. Oh my gosh. How idyllic was growing up in Glendale. We grew up on a beautiful street called Spar Boulevard. It's in Montecito Park in this beautiful house. And uh, I went to school at Crescenta Valley High School, which is in La Crescenta. And it was great growing up. I mean, it was everything you could possibly, I have my mom and dad, you know, they were great. They were partiers, but we had fun. They were together until my dad passed. And, um, so I had a great childhood growing up. It was really fun. We used to ride our bikes everywhere and nobody really worried where we were. I'm sure that's what all parents think now. Like, <laughs> yeah. We used to be able to ride our bikes and now we can't send our kids out because it's too scary, but such a different, uh, yeah, definitely a different time. Glendale's still very safe, but I don't know if I'd let my kids uh, ride about. But we did the same thing growing up. Yeah, uh, parents totally. were just like, be home before the sun came down, as long as you were home exactly. before that. Exactly, and no cell phones, so we didn't have to check up or anything like that. Sure. <laughs> we just had to be home by five. <laughs> what did your parents do? Were they in media? Oh, no. My dad was a salesman, a medical supply salesman, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Oh, okay. So very- So I just- always wanted to be in, I wanted to be an actress and then I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then I wanted to be a news anchor, a TV news anchor. And at what age did you start wanting to like, at what age did you see yourself potentially doing the news for instance? Probably when I was a junior in high school. Okay. Were your parents supportive of that? hundred percent. They loved it. My dad loved it. And, uh, so I went to San Diego State and majored in journalism. They used to have a journalism major there. Now I think it's like all communications or something. But I specifically radio and TV broadcasting. So there was one day when I was a senior in college and I saw a sign that was listed for a radio intern, radio AM news. I was like, mm, that's not really my jam, but it's a paid uh, internship and a scholarship comes with it. So why not? Sure. So I applied with Cliff Albert, the great Cliff Albert and uh, Mr. News. And he hired me. And that's where it all started at KFMB AM. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, was this before KFM? Because there was KFMB AM. And was this before they owned the FM? Or did they already have the FM at this point? Oh, they had the FM. Got it. Yes. Okay. They had, it was B100 at the time. Got it. And for a little bit and of Jeff background, sure, of course. So KFMB was owned at the time by Midwest Television, the Meyer, right. the Meyer family, if I recall. And they had uh, Channel 8, which was the CBS affiliate in San Diego, and then 760, the AM station. And then mm-hmm. when I worked there, uh, KFMB FM. So they had KFMB TV, KFMB AM, and KFMB uh, FM. Yes, exactly. 
So and you apply, were they at engine off of engineer road at the time in Kearney Mesa? They were. Yes. Okay. All right. So it, where I worked with you then. Exactly where got you it. worked with me. Okay. I love that building by the way. I always have. I, I did too. Good vibes. Got so, so, so many amazing memories from there. So yes. you apply and Chris is the, is he the uh, news director? He's the news director. Uh, my position was from 3 a.m. to 7 a.m., Monday through Friday. And at the time, I was writing news for the main news anchor on the a.m. side. So I, you know, take it off the AP wires, rewrite it, tape things that I need to, I say tape, that's how old I am. <laughs> tape things that I needed to tape or record them, now we say, Um to play on the air, things like that. I was just an intern, just doing things here and there. And I was the only girl in the building at that time. So Jeff and Jer, who I didn't know at all, were across the hall at the FM side. And Tommy, who's their producer, used to walk by the newsroom carrying this big giant stack of cartridges. (laughs) And I thought he was a... I thought for sure he was the janitor. I didn't know who Tommy was. He had this long, shaggy hair, you know. I'm like, what is he doing with that big tower every day? And so little by little, I kind of got to know him as I passed him in the hall. And then one day Jerry said, hey, can you pretend like you are the mayor's secretary? We need you to say this and this and that. So I'm like, okay. So they called into the newsroom. I answered. I did it. I did that a couple times for them. So you're playing, you played a character for him. And at this at this point, I mean, Jeff and Jer are a pretty big deal, right? In in they're San Diego. They're getting there, yes. Okay, so they're getting there. And it's hard to really explain Jeff and Jer at their peak. I mean, it felt like all of San Diego was listening to Jeff and Jer. I mean, they were a phenomenon. I would I would put them at like when Rick Dees was at his peak here in LA at, yeah. uh, you know, when Jack Diamond in, in DC, I mean, they really, that show when it was firing in all cylinders was just a, a force to, to reckon with. I mean, I remember the time we did world to your hurl. Remember that? Sure. That was, I felt like that time and the time that we did Becky's house, which for battered women, yeah. that's a long story, but how that came about those, that time period, I felt like, yeah, oh. we are on top of the world. It, it, it truly felt like every single person I mean, listened. World to your it girl was, made the, uh, uh, Jay Leno, the tonight show. Oh my God. That's right. One yeah. of the contestants was on there. Right. Right. Olivia so, Newton-John came down to sing with Tommy. Remember that? My God, I completely forgot. Yeah, that was amazing. Absolutely. We're going to get, we'll get to star in a few minutes. So sorry, right. I, 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 dist- I I got us down a wrong track, but you knew at this point when you're now working from three to seven for 760, when Jeff and Jay are asking you to do a bit, that's a pretty big deal. It's a big deal. Okay. Yes. So were you nervous? Then, I was very nervous. Yes. And I always thought that I did a bad job <laughs> because I- I, they always made fun of me. and uh, <laughs> What would they say? And I thought at that time that, that that wasn't a good thing, you know? I see. I didn't know. So one day, I also worked for traffic. I worked for Airwatch Traffic at the same time, part-time. And one day, they said, hey, can you fill in for Cal Walker and do traffic for Jeff and Jer for the next two weeks? Wow. And I wow. just said to myself, no, 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 no. I'm not good enough. I'm not ready. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So that whole entire two weeks, 
they changed my voice on the voice machine. They like, they caught me singing when I was not like not on the air yet. And I had my mic up by accident. They made fun of me. They did. I thought they absolutely thought I was trash. Right? <laughs> I just was so bad until I saw Jerry at a party like a month later. And he said to me, Oh my God, we want you to do our traffic from now on. We love you. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? What okay, an amazing compliment. Awesome. So then So they were just they were they were ribbing you because they they loved you. Yes, I learned that. And you know, it's funny because my dad is so similar. Like he used to rib me too, so I can take it and I laugh at it because it's funny to me. So I think that's also why they liked me because I don't take myself too seriously. I can laugh at myself, very much so. And I think that's what clicked with them. So who's on the show? It's Jeff, Jer, Little Tommy. Who else is anyone else on the show at that point? Helper boy, Greg. Helper, okay, before Randy. Yes. So it's all all men except for you. All men. Was that all men except for me? Was that intimidating at all? Um, I yes and no. No, because they never made me feel like they were the men, you know? Sure. And no, because Jeff is um, He's a man, of course, but he has, um, how do I say this? Uh, sensitive Not female side? tendencies. He just, ha- he's like, he's more like a chick. <laughs> I always called him like, I thought he was a lesbian. I'm like, you're kind of like a lesbian. You can do like all this work in the yard. You can do all this stuff and you like chicks, but. Uh, he could still yeah. watch beaches. Totally. <laughs> he loves all that kind of music too. Yes, that's exactly right. So they weren't that intimidating to me, no. So you're in the After newsroom all. at 760. You're also working at Airwatch. And now you really get called up to the majors and are given a full-time position with Jeff and Jared at that point? Uh, it was part-time. A oh, part-time, at okay. At the time- after I worked, after my uh, internship was over, I got a job on the TV side producing. Oh, really? You were and a television producer? Man, right. Who were you doing that uh, for? Carl Siskind. Do you okay. know that name? I don't know. He was the editorial director at Channel 8, and he produced an editorial every day on the news. And my job was to type it up and make sure it was right and gather information for him and that kind of thing. So that lasted about two years. And, and were I they just, still, were they still using you? So you were working part-time for Jeff and Jer and then part- traffic in the morning. Jeez. Okay. And then in the afternoon doing channel eight. And you've well, graduated from SDSU at this point. Correct. Okay. So Jeff and Jer, like you were saying, kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I will never forget. I was 23 years old and Jeff and Jer were B100. I think I don't still to this day don't know what happened, but there was some like crazy thing where they were told to leave or something. I don't know because their contract was up, some <laughs> ugly thing. And uh, they went over to Q106 and they said, Hey, contact this guy. We want you to come with us. And they offered me $50,000. Oh my gosh. And I was 23 years old and I couldn't believe my life. <laughs> I was just blown away. I've never seen that kind of money before. Sure. You know, you're living I'm off of top, top ramen yeah. and uh, just got done interning part-time. San Diego is oh. not a cheap city to live in. So I'm sure. Um, no, never has been. And uh, then we worked at Q106 and then that was full-time. So then I became full-time and then I was like, you know what? 
this TV thing, I'm liking the radio thing better. I like it. It's not as backstabby and you don't have to be beautiful every single day. You know what I mean? And it's sure it's hard. The TV side's hard. Now I've never really done fun. I've really never done TV, but I've had several friends and now I've learned that you've done TV. One of the things that I've heard about TV is there's not nearly the spontaneity that you can have in radio, that it's far more rigid. You can't just do things off the cuff that we're so used to doing on the radio side of the business. Because we're more creative and we like to just like bounce, just talk about things and kind of not have a boundary, like you said. I mean, like, so yeah, it was, it's very much, you can't really be your 100% self. With Jeff and Jira, I could be my 100% self and I got paid for it. It was insane. What an amazing opportunity. At that point, I mean, here you go from, I'm sure, making close to probably minimum wage, maybe a little bit more. Minimum wage. You get offered this just incredible salary. What was the the first thing that you did? Call my parents. That was the first thing I did, call my dad to tell him, not only did I feel great being a college graduate, but also as a woman, you know? Now, I'm sure it was nowhere near what Jeff and Jeremy, but that's okay. I wasn't <laughs> Jeff and Jer. I was me, you know? And it, I never, that's why I never got bad or I never got weird about money as far as they go because they had a whole different deal. You know what I mean? Sure. Let's Mine face it. Mo- most A-list uh, celebrities were no nowhere near what Jeff and Jer were making at their peak. So. <laughs> oh, my God. If there was a pie, my piece would not even be a sliver. It'd be like a line. <laughs> but yet an incredibly integral part of, of the show. And I get exactly uh, about your parents because I think so much about the moments in my life that have been so uh, so incredible. And the first thing I want to do is is share it. I'm actually more excited to share it with them than I am uh, for myself. So I, I know how that yes. feels. Yes. Are your parents still with us? Yeah, fortunately, uh, both of them. They're out actually uh, not too far uh, uh, from you in uh, Temecula area. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Are they still together and married? They are. Yeah, they celebrated fifty years uh, just to, just I guess three years ago, right before the pandemic started. So they're they're both. Do you go home well. for Christmases and stuff? Yeah, still? yeah, I'm there quite a bit. I try to get back about once a month. My mom has uh, Parkinson's, so she's definitely kind of mm-hmm. slowed down a bit. Uh, but they're both doing really well. Uh, my oh, father's so incredibly active in the yard. He's got a garden, and uh, he loves to work on cars, and he does woodwork. So he's busy. Uh, That's what I wish would would have happened to my dad because he died when he was only 60 years old. Oh my God, Lord, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was, that was tough. That was when I was 30. So we're not even there yet, but. (laughs) but, No, but let's talk, let's talk about that for a sec. What happened? Well, he was complaining of back pain. And so they took him to a bunch of doctors and doctors like really bad back pain. And they just couldn't figure it out. So they kept giving him pain pills, pain pills, pain pills. Well, one day my mom woke up and he wasn't in bed. So she checked the other room and there he was trying to get back into bed and he was dead. He had hemorrhaged. What happened was he had an ulcer, a a duodenal ulcer it's called. And it was misdiagnosed as back pain because that's where you kind of feel it. Sure. And it was just like, why, why did this have to happen? What, you know, he was like the greatest person ever. I am so sorry. I just miss him so much because I would love to tell him what I'm doing now. You know, he was like my best friend. I'm sorry. No, don't, don't, don't be sorry at all. I really appreciate you sharing. He was able to obviously see you succeed though. um, Jeff and Jer. So he must've, 
I guess, given the timing, he probably passed away pretty close to when we were working together, I'm guessing. Yes. So I was 30. Yeah, I was at S-Star. At S-Star. I think I do vaguely remember remember that. I think you took some time, if I recall. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I did. But- uh, How's your your mom doing? She's fine. She's never remarried. You know, she just never was with anybody else. That's the kind of relationship like your parents have. You know, you can't picture them with anybody else. And- they Not were, that we didn't encourage her. She just didn't want to, but she's fine. She's doing great. She's 81. Oh, that's fantastic. And is she's she, healthy. Is she still up here in Glendale area? She's in Rancho Cucamonga. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah I go out that way on my way to go see my parents. Oh yeah. You go, you go out the 210. Exactly. Or the- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you uh, come up to see her much? Uh, yes. I come up to see her as much as I can. Uh, once every other month, maybe. Should be more. Cause you know, as you're, you know, as you probably know, like who knows what could happen. Sure. You don't. We just got to see him as much as we can. And going through like what you had to experience with your father, you just, you take life for granted. And we're so caught up in these little things that upset us, whether you get cut off on the freeway or something that uh, is just in the grand scheme of things so trite, but for some reason, the human condition focuses on these little <laughs> Little, little things. And then something just T-bones you like that. And I, I couldn't Mm -hmm. imagine, I think about that, honestly, a a fair amount, like what it will be like. And, uh, Mm -hmm. cause my father talks quite openly about it. And, you know, we went through his finances and his will not too long ago. And I, Oh, that whole thing. Oh gosh. I hate thinking about it, but he's very pragmatic. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but like, like I'm thinking about it even for my kids now, it's like, you kind of just have to get your affairs in order. You know what I mean? You have to get your affairs in order. A hundred percent. I was reading a really good book by Thich Nhat Hanh, who unfortunately just passed away himself a, a few weeks ago. But he said, his, his looking as a Buddhist monk, but life, he believes or believed, re-manifests itself. So your father, at least in Thich Nhat Hanh's eyes, is not gone. He's just re-manifested as something else on the planet or in the universe. He is an eagle for sure that I've seen before. Really? There are signs everywhere. Oh yeah. That's exactly like what Technicon would talk about. And he uses the example of how rain will manifest itself as a cloud. And then the, obviously the cloud turns to rain and then that rain will fall into the ocean and then it manifests itself in the ocean. So that is, so he's talking about energy and stuff. Exactly. I totally believe that. So you still feel your father's presence and uh, him watching over you? All the time. I mean, there are things that, for example, well, I haven't gotten to rehab yet, but I'll tell you a great story about my dad coming to me when I was in rehab. Please. Let's. I'll, we'll get back to that. Okay, let's do this. We'll come back because I love this and thank you for, for sharing that. So you've mm-hmm. met Jeff and Jer. You are mm-hmm. at uh, Q106 at this point. Mm-hmm. We're now working full-time. It's Helper Boy. Sorry, who was before Helper Boy, Randy? Re- Helper Boy Greg was before Greg. Randy. And now, we're, now we have Randy. Now you have Randy. What happened to Helper yes. Boy Greg? He went on to do other things. I think, I don't know if at that point if he went up to LA, but he was in LA for a little while. Okay. What was I his don't la- know if it was at that point. But- what was his last name? Pardon? Do you remember? Sims. Oh, Greg Sims, of course. <laughs> you know what? I knew all this and I <laughs> forgot. I completely forgot about it. Greg actually was my roommate for one summer back in the day. 
Who's this Greg you speak of? Oh my God, I totally forgot that he was prior to Randy. Greg's doing fantastic. I listen to him almost every day. He does afternoons on uh, K-Earth here in Los Angeles. So That's Greg, great. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. He wanted to be on the air, so he pursued that. Got it. So okay. that's why we got Randy. Well, it, work, it worked out for him. So got it. Yes. So Greg leaves, helper boy Randy comes in. And that's really now, when I think of Jeff and Jer, I think of you, Randy, obviously Jeff and Jer and little Tommy. Those mm-hmm. are the, the five that I think of as really the core. And I know there was a lot, and I don't mean to diminish anyone else that was on the show, but if you go back and you think of like the classic cast, that is what I have in my mind. That's so good to be included in that cast. I got to tell you, it's awesome. So yeah, we're at Q106. Numbers just keep getting bigger and bigger. Um, Every year, my paycheck goes up and up. And we were at Q106 for five years. Was it three or five years? Sure. But from that point, we went to star 100.7. And that's where I met you. When... Everything's really now coalescing and the show is just firing in all cylinders and you guys, your ratings are through the roof. You're dominating the market. Did you feel like you were part of something special? Did it? What oh did, my God, yes. Could you just kind of have that sense that this is just right? I felt like, I didn't feel like in a stuck up way or an egotistical way important, but I felt like I was important to people who tuned in in the morning to laugh. Whether what they were going through, who knows? I mean, but if they could turn on our show in the morning and that would set their day straight or make their day better, I've done my job. And that how excellent that me being able to be myself makes somebody else happy. It was really just that, that off. And you guys were way ahead of your time in regards to that authenticity. Now we speak about it all the time, 25 years after right. the fact, but back then to be real and just kind of play out your lives on air was not something that was uh, particularly. Oh, normal. let me tell you. I mean, there were days when I would talk about, let's say my husband at sure. the time, I would talk about my husband and something we were going through. And then that day after work, I'd go home and I'd be like, why? Why did I say that on the air? That was too much information. (laughs) But in reality, people, that's what people, they flocked to. They liked that. Sure. Because it's just like, I figure, you know what? If I'm going through it, there's somebody else on the other side going through it just the same as me. Which I think- So why not share it? 100%. And I don't think people understood that then. You guys obviously did. But yeah, that's 100% the right way to look at it because people were living Mm -hmm. very similar lives. And here you were representing how they lived and how they felt. Mm -hmm. Because for every one of you, there was probably another thousand women in San Diego that were going through something very similar. Exactly. That's the way I felt. So it felt really great. It felt really good to be part of that. You guys, and I think I know the years because this is where I started. This is like now 96 when you guys go from Q106 to Star. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, a little later, maybe, maybe 97, 98, because we were there through the early 2000s. Okay. And uh, were we, God, it kind of gets to be a blur because we've been at so many radio stations. Yeah. I, I would put, because I think I started in late 96 and I okay, remember- so, All right. So that makes sense. Dave actually. Smiley was doing mornings and then you guys came in and it just, everything just kind of changed over overnight, you know? Overnight. Yeah. So you guys come over from Q106. Are you, 
Are you nervous at this point? Because there yes. was a lot of, if I recall right, I think Q106 was very upset and they were running promos, oh, yeah. uh, basically <sighs> making fun of uh, Jeff and Jer and uh, I think portraying you guys all in a pretty negative light. It was obviously that. a huge win for uh, for Star to get you over there. I think Tracy helped orchestrate, Tracy Johnson, the program director, mm-hmm. helped orchestrate all that. So there was a lot of drama around this and I think it was played out in the newspaper and on the air and there was a huge, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't imagine at that point if there were people meter back then, how many people were probably tuning in to listen to your guys' first day at star. Do you remember that oh, first day? Yeah. Uh, I, I actually don't remember the first day. I remember the feelings around hearing those bad ads on the other radio station. I remember, uh, feeling nervous about starting at the news station and hoping that we that we brought in, it was always about the ratings, you know, like, oh, I hope and pray that, that, that we can continue to bring in these ratings for the station that just hired us. And so I, it was a little nerve wracking at first, but I don't really remember the very first day. I think the reason why is because it was, it's a blur. It always is a blur. The first day there's like, there's engineers running around making sure the sounds okay. Yeah, you know, they built a whole going- they built a whole brand new studio for you guys and it was this beautiful, you know, state of the art at the time. I remember there were the not flat screen TVs cuz those didn't exist yet, but these massive tube televisions hanging on the wall and I mean it was a beautiful Yeah, they're facility. hanging on the wall. That's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> not flat, not flat. <laughs> not flat. No, each one probably weighed 500 pounds. <laughs> Oh, I totally remember those TVs. Did Jerry, because Jerry, uh, what a brilliant business mind. And uh, Jerry's known for a very famous speech that he gave at Morning Show Boot Camp. Just really great negotiator. And he'd helped me in my career and given me some advice along the way. Did Jerry really handle the business side of it all for you and the team? Or was that something you had to get in the middle of yourself? He handled him and Jeff Okay. Okay. Tommy was left to his own. I was left to my own. And so was Randy. Really? So you had to, so Jeff and Jer, they say that they're going to leave Q106, go to star. And they would say, we want you to come with us. Okay. Yet we weren't a package deal. I see. So then you would have to negotiate. Right. And you know, power to, I mean, there were a couple of times when I was like, why, why, why couldn't this all be together if we're all such a family? But then again, look what they were able to negotiate. So he, I guess he knew what he was doing. If it was just the two of them, sky's the limit. And he obviously teed it up for you and Tommy and Randy because they wanted you. So while you weren't necessarily a package deal, you were very important that you were part of the showground. Yes. Yes, that was that's the case. Yeah, but Were for you get, every single contract, that was the same thing. So you have to pretty have a pretty darn good business sense yourself. Did you handle those deals then yourself, or did you have someone that I did? That? I did in the beginning. Uh huh. And I don't have a good business sense, not one bit. Really? And I'm not good at negotiating. I hate it. It's not my thing at all. So I'm sure I negotiated myself. I'm sure they were thrilled negotiating with me because I was easy, (laughs) you know? And that's when I got an agent eventually to help me. And that was kind of frowned upon by them, but I didn't know what else to do. No, I was right. No, I know I couldn't do it for myself properly. No, the right thing. So that's what I did for the next contract, but not this one. So 
I get a job working at Star 100.7. I was very fortunate. I delivered a pizza to the radio station to Michael Steele, a.k.a. the new guy. We become friendly. I know nothing about radio, but I am just enamored by it. And thank you to him for helping me uh, get my career started. And he was able to convince Tracy Johnson to first he'd send me out and I'd go out and kind of do these things out on the street and call in from around the city and so forth. And then he got me a job answering phones and I eventually became his sidekick. And so I get thrust into a situation that in hindsight, I'm just so fortunate to have had, but here to be at arguably the hottest radio station in San Diego. This was in the height of, you know, the Lilith Fair and Alanis Morissette and Sarah Mm -hmm. McLaughlin and Meredith and all these artists that uh, just were, it it was just a massive movement at that time. And Star was right in the center of it all. You've got the biggest morning show by far in San Diego, anchoring the entire station. And then you've got just amazing team shows all the way through. You had uh, Greg Sims, Helper Boy Greg, and Anita mm-hmm. Rush doing middays. And we had um, uh, Jagger, Jagger and Christie doing afternoons who are still just wildly successful down in San Diego. And then myself and, uh, and Michael at night. And really, Michael, I was his sidekick. But we had gotten this gigantic purple uh, Cadillac from like the early 70s, the most obnoxious, largest Cadillac that you could think of. <laughs> That. painted bright purple and uh, we would pull people over in this Cadillac that had star 100.7 bumper stickers and give them prizes everything from concert tickets to CDs to cash prizes and so forth and so I would be sent out at night quite often in the surf pig is what they donned uh, the I know why but okay <laughs> I don't know either I think it was Kim Leeds or Tracy they Kim Leeds was the uh, the marketing director I think she came up with that name but I got <laughs> sent down And I've been at this radio station for a cup of coffee at this point, and I get sent down to go pick you up. And I highly doubt that you you remember this at all, but you were living downtown, if I recall, and I got sent in the Cadillac to pick you up because you were going to go with me in the Cadillac to basically pull a few people over and give them prizes. And I was scared out of my mind. (laughs) I, Even thinking about it is making my heart race. I could only imagine. That's hysterical. I'm like, oh my God, not only am I picking up Laura Kane and I'm in this gigantic Cadillac that's the size of a tuna boat and I'm in the middle of, you know, downtown San Diego and I'm trying to do call-ins and I've got you in the car with me and I'm like, God forbid anything happens. I am a dead man. And I was so, so nervous about that. It honestly is probably one of the most uh, one of the scariest parts of my career at the same time, exciting parts of my career. Cause I was so pumped up to be with you and to go and do this. And I, do you remember that um, at all? I, I vaguely, you're right. I vaguely, <laughs> vaguely remember it. I remember where I live downtown. Okay. I remember being, it was a uh, topless, the car. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, yes. It was it. I remember driving down. I don't really, that's about all. All I remember, it was, it's vague, but yes, that's so cute. Oh my God, <laughs> so I love scary. that. And you, you're nervous. Do you remember? And I'm sure after spending time with you, you were like, why was I so nervous? <laughs> I was so nervous. <laughs> I, really I don't know if you remember Tom Cox, but Tom's, Tom was the head engineer. Yes, of for, course. And then he went on to go work at iHeart. I think was the head of yes. engineering for iHeart. But Tom would leave every night 
no joke, and he would pop his head in the studio right before he was leaving because our studio was right at the end to the parking lot, and he would pop his head in and he would say, Chachi, don't fuck it up. And he would say that to me every single night on the way out. And that's how exactly how I felt when I had to go, not had, I was very excited to go, but when I went to go pick you up, it's like, God forbid, I cannot fuck this up. And I am glad that I hopefully I did not. No, you obviously didn't. I'm still here and I'm was still married at the time. Everything's good. Everything's good. good. <laughs> that's so cute. I love that story. So Everything is happening now at Star, and uh, we had World to Your Hurl, the surf pig that we just talked about, uh, the big um, Becky's house, the jingle balls. I mean, it was just massive promotion. Oh, the jingle balls were massive. Massive promotion after massive promotion. And I think we're at like the pinnacle 98, 99. Fill me in a little bit what's going on now with your life, and you have your first child right around then, correct? No, I... I was feeling um, kind of bratty, feeling a little yucky. And so Jeff and Jer on the air said, we're going to give you a pregnancy test. I'm like, whatever. So they go, we're, do we're doing it tomorrow on the air. And I was like, I am not pregnant, whatever. So that night I took a test. I wasn't pregnant. And so the next morning they're like, okay, ready for the test. I was like, whatever, bring it on. So Bess, remember Bess? Yeah, sure. She was with me. We went down to the bathroom, did the whole stick thing, came back, put it on the desk, covered it with a napkin. And uh, Jeff goes, okay, are you ready? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. It's okay. You know, one, two, three. And he looks at it and he goes, two pink lines. I'm like, what does that mean? That means negative, right? And he's like, no, you're pregnant. I'm like, what? Oh my God. And this, now, this leads into my other thing. Because at that time, I was partying hardcore, living downtown. Every restaurant and bar knew my name. I was living it up on the weekdays, school nights, big time. Doesn't matter. Going to work, half crocked, hungover half the time. And the first thought that I had when I found out I was pregnant on the air, and I said this on the air, was what? I can't have my white wine now? <laughs> oh, now, looking back as a listener, you're probably like, what the hell is she thinking? What is, I remember one lady wrote me a bad email about it, you wow. know? And I was like, who is this person? And, and, you know, I, at that point, I didn't think I had a problem, you know? Sure. I didn't really share much about my pregnancy on the air. I mean, it was a big deal that I was pregnant to listeners and stuff sure. and to them. I mean, it was a whole new topic they could talk about, you know, wow. every day for nine months. But the stress that you must oh. have been in, not only being a mother, but going through a pregnancy with complications, oh trying to God. come in and perform and do a show every morning. I finally did say something when a listener said, Laura never talks about her pregnancy. Isn't she happy? Oh, All year. And I was like, this is what's going on. And this is why I haven't talked about it because it's not like the happiest thing to talk about right now, Sure. but this is what's going on. So at the very end, people know, knew what was happening. Cause I did tell them, cause I end up telling everybody everything anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it always seemed to be like that. Well, it's um, therapeutic. I think in a lot of ways to, I guess be able so. To share. Maybe it is. And maybe people, like you said earlier, like we started doing that before anybody else started doing that. Yeah. Realizing it is therapeutic before people thought, oh my God, you can't say that on the air when, and actually you can. It's therapeutic, um, but also I think 
incredibly stressful because it's not, you're not only sharing it with your friends, but also with a bunch of people that you don't know and they all have opinions and are going to tell you how you should or should not feel about something. And so. Exactly. And then think about like thousands upon thousands of opinions from people that you don't even really know, you know? So, uh, Charlie was born, he had, uh, surgery after surgery after surgery. And you know what? I took one month off one, not even three, the normal, because I was so afraid at that point, Jeff and Jer were so huge that I was afraid if I was gone too long, they would replace me. Wow. I don't think I've ever shared that with anybody. <laughs> that must have been just a tremendous amount of pressure to it really have was. To, I mean, as great as it was, Tachi, it was also very scary too. It was very, very stressful. Yeah. I could, I could a hundred percent believe that. I mean, I so, um, got just a little inkling of it, you know, working in the least important day part. And here you are in the most important day part with the Tom Brady, if you will, of, of a morning show, you know? Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, I always, because everybody's replaceable, you know, in reality, everybody's replaceable. You have to fight for your job. You have to fight and be good. And I didn't want to be gone that long when I should have been gone for six months, you know, because he was such a sick baby, but, uh, he came out of it. He's fine. Now he's 22, 23. What did he just turn 22? Uh, <laughs> 22. Congratulations. And he is perfectly fine. He's six foot five. He's oh my has a gosh. great looking belly button. And um, he's fine. So congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. That's fantastic. So it was great, like being able to share baby stuff on the air too. Sure. When he finally came out of it and was able to do normal baby things. When you, that look, was really fun. When you look back at that, and you, how old were you at that time? 30. 30. So, I mean, still incredibly young and you've been thrust ever since you're in your early twenties into this career with not a lot of experience around it. Most people, as you know, have bounced around from market to market to market, but you're already in a very large market and have been part of this wildly successful morning show. And just to be able to cope and handle that, I don't think many of us have the, uh, the maturity to do it or the really the support system because it's so hard to share. Most people don't know exactly what you're going through and not to sound mm-hmm. like a, I know there's a, a special snowflake syndrome that we're special snowflakes by any stretch of the imagination, but at the same mm-hmm. time, not a lot of people have that same background that we had going through what mm-hmm. we went through. Yeah, exactly. I did feel alone a lot of the times because there, my friends had no idea what it was like, really. Sure. So, um, so yeah, it was a lot of pressure. As much fun as it was, it was also a lot of stress, and um, that's why I self-medicated so much. Sure. I think. Um, that, the death of my father, that happened at 30 and then Charlie was born. And so all these things, drink, 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 drink. Um, I didn't drink when I was pregnant, but afterwards that's for sure. Oh yeah. So then, okay. So then we're at star, everything's great. And then I don't really remember what happened at start the, toward the end of our contracts and the beginning of our new ones. I, everything is a blur because everything yeah. happens so fast and furious well, you, and it's so scary. And you had so many things going on and I'm going to yeah. do a quick 
hey, thank you so much for sharing all this. And Laura is a guest on a show that we have not released yet, but we're getting ready to release here in the next few weeks with uh, Matt Pinfield called Sound and Sobriety. And I got to listen in while you recorded that podcast. And I am so thankful to you for opening up like you did. And this is a podcast you're absolutely going to want to hear. It's a fantastic, uh, I think, concept, uh, Matt, who is also uh, uh, sober. And by the way, I'll get into this at the end, but you're getting ready to celebrate a very big number in your sobriety, which is fantastic. March 7th. Uh, something you're definitely going to want to listen to. So I, while I do want to touch upon it, I want everyone to check out Sound and Sobriety to get really the full story because it is uh, so powerful. And uh, I am so grateful for you sharing it, but I think so many people can learn from it and you're going to be able to go on and do amazing things with the knowledge that you have and just the way that you give back. Well, like I said earlier, uh, I felt like if I'm going through this, other people are going through this too, you know? So why not share every ugly detail? Because we all have our secrets and our secrets are what keep us sick. So So you have to tell someone, you know, let it off your chest, let it off your shoulders. But going back to the radio, let's see, we're at uh, Tracy Johnson, like the best program director that's ever lived, I think. Incredible, incredible. So I leave in 2000. I come up here to uh, become an assistant producer for Rick D's. Station is doing still incredibly well, but at this point now they've added, if I recall, a few other characters to the showgram, correct? They added intern Jen. And Jen. And they added Bess. So now there's three girls on the show. And how many guys? One, two, three, four guys on the show. And how did you, how did did you feel about that? Was that something that were you somewhat protective or was it something like, okay. I was, to be honest. Sure. I was very threatened. No, it makes sense. Especially because I remember when we were there, they had made her a big sign that said, we love you, helper boy, Jen. And they made it in like martini uh, olives or something because she loved martinis or something. Uh-huh. And I'm like, they've never made me a sign. And I'm like, huh, I mean, I might be on the outs here pretty soon. I'm not sure what's going on. And, sure. You know, so yeah, it was very threatening. Everything was threatening. Was that something Every- that you brought up or you just kind of internalized? No, no way, yeah. no way. I didn't want them to know I was threatened by her. Yeah. I didn't want her to know I was threatened by her. I didn't want anybody to know I was threatened, period. The way that you so always held yourself, at least in my view and how I saw you, you were always so welcoming and so warm. I never saw a side of you that would ever at least appear to be threatened. So you, I You would thought, never see that. Yeah. You did a great job of, of hiding it. I, I know. Again, hiding yeah. it, drinking on it. Were you guys pretty communicative as a team? I mean, as performers and, you know, you're almost like the Seinfeld cast. You guys have your distinct roles and the characters are so well defined. And while also living out so much of your real lives on air, you guys also played these roles that I think were just so well, uh, well executed. Was that something you guys would prepare for a lot or it just really gelled? It just really gelled. We never wrote out anything. Not one piece of material. Uh, we would loosely discuss what we're going to do on the show the next day, the day prior, but only during the show because Jeff and Jer never wanted to stay after the show for any length of time. So it's always like during the show, during commercials, we talk about maybe what we were going to do tomorrow. 
but that was the extent of it. That was the extent of our prep. That's amazing. Because we could just, they could rely on me. They could rely on Randy. They could rely on Tommy for content. Sure. Constant content. I, uh, was able to interview little Tommy, uh, I guess about a year ago now, and uh, he shared a lot. And I know the two of you have an extremely close relationship. I know now, but were you guys always very tight like that? Not at all. I remember thinking to myself, this is the first time I've ever talked to Tommy as a friend. I only ever talked to Tommy as a, as a coworker. We never had a friendly conversation. I mean, we'd go to parties and he'd be there and we'd be friendly, but... I never really had cause to talk to him on the phone or, you know, have a coffee date with him or anything. And not to give it up, but I'll give it a little bit of tease. He did something while you were in rehab that was incredibly touching. And was that at the point where your guys' relationship really became so friendly? Absolutely. 100%. That's exactly what happened. So yeah, foreshadowing. There's yeah. a little, we do become pretty close. Oh, he's uh, incredible. I learned uh, so much from him throughout my career and I'm, you know, very I'm thankful sure he that, did. He, yeah, that he was in. He's in the best life. that ever was. I, I agree with that. I agree with that hundred percent. He's the best that maybe ever will be radio wise. Yeah. No, what he, in let's talk a bit about that. So the prep in regards to you guys are kind of prepping during, during breaks and so forth. Would he put together kind of a show run of what was going to happen he the next day? He was the one that would do the work. Okay. He's the one that would get the products we were going to talk about the next day. He was the one that would get the guests, obviously. He was the one that would uh, secure the location of a food fight, whatever we were going to do the next morning, along with picking the guests, as along with taking the phone calls and making sure our sound was right. Like, yeah, he did everything. So he was the, the one that worked the most. He was the, he was the architect, but you were all such great builders. You could just come in and throw up the building around his design. Yes. Oh, like I this. like that. That's good. <laughs> good. So as I'm leaving, stars starting to go through some transformations and I don't remember the exact oh. year, but sometime after 2000, cause I left at the very end of 2000. And I think you guys went through first kind of a logo change and a rebrand and then it became a Jack format, correct? It did. We had, we had a, one day Tracy said, Hey, we're going to have a, we're going to have a meeting in the conference room. So everybody come in after the show. So we get there and there's like Jack stickers and balloons and like all these colors that are not ours. And he's like, we are switching formats. And we're first, we're like, are you nuts? We're doing great. What are you talking about? Like, this is the way of the future. This is the way radios are going to be programmed from now on, blah, blah, blah. And oh boy, we got out of there. <laughs> I, I remember that was ugly too. I'm I, sure. I remember not, not exactly what happened, but I remember it was pretty ugly that going to the next station that we went to. So we were out of there by then. So Jeff and Jer basically are like, Hey, I think this is the wrong direction for the station. And they decided it's time for us to, to pick up and move. Correct. Got Correct. It. And in hindsight, and I say this cause we do in full disclosure and Gary Wall is a dear friend and we do all the imaging for the entire Jack network. But I remember back then thinking the same thing because Star was such a massive, powerful brand. And I don't recall how it was performing ratings wise at the time, but it was the number one billing radio station in San Diego and it did so well. And it was not, at least to my recollection at that time in any sort of ratings, there wasn't ratings issues. So it was a bold move and I still, yeah, very bold move. So I get why if I'm 
I'm Jeff and Jerry are going, wow. And then how do I fit into this? Because Jack really today as it sits, most of them don't have a morning show, don't exactly. have. Exactly. Yeah. So what what are they saying to you? Are they like, immediately let's have a team meeting and talk about this or they just have a team meeting. I don't think we even had a team meeting. I remember them saying, well, there's going to be a day when we're going to run out of here. So make sure you have all your stuff together because when we give them our answer, as far as if we're going to stay here or not, you're going to want to (laughs) run. And so I remember that happened they gave them the answer that we weren't going to stay and we had to hightail it out of there as fast as possible because they were coming down on us big oh time. Oh my gosh. And then we weren't on the air at 94.1 quite yet. We had like a couple weeks because they had to finish their studio and we had to do some imaging and you know, that whole thing that goes on before you, a morning show starts. So it's sure. like a couple weeks. And they're, they've rebranded. I can't remember the format, but they flipped in basic, basically in response to Star 100.7 going away, they rebranded as Star 94.1. Right. And then- Which they are still today. Oh, they still are. Wow. And then they uh-huh. basically used you guys as the anchor, much like Star did, to launch 94.1. Yes. So and- what was going from, because Midwest Television was really a small company for all intents and purposes, compared to like a clear channel or compared to an inner or CBS at that point. So was there a pretty big culture difference at this uh, going from star to 94.1? Do you remember any of that? It was a little bit of a culture difference only because there were one, two, three, four, five, six radio stations, maybe even more like right down the hall. Like here we were next door was rock one Oh five. Next door was one Oh one five. Next door was sure. channel nine, three, three, all down one hallway. And that must've been so, really kind of interesting too, because now you're in the same studio or the same hallway as like Dave Shelley and Chainsaw, who was right. another massive morning show in town. Exactly. And, and it was a little awkward at first, I guess. But then, I mean, I feel like we all realize we're doing the same thing here. Why are we like being jerks to each other? Let's not like sure give each other a cold shoulder in the hallway. Like, why are we doing that? That's dumb. But at the beginning, there was some of that. There was- <laughs> yeah, there was some, a little bit of hostility for sure. <laughs> you know what? Whenever ever Jeff and Jer went, there was always some hostility from the current employees of that station. Always. Yeah, I mean, they were, they, they were threatened. They were, they were always they the time. Yeah, sure. They were the target for a long time. And I think yeah. that when you're that successful, that's what, what people love to tear people down. And yes. uh, I, I think there was some of that certainly happening. When you picked up and, you know, I, w- I was gone, obviously at that point, but kind of watching from afar, were a lot of listeners relieved to now have found you? Because I'm sure, did you guys get to say even goodbye on Star 100.7? No, it was just like one day it becomes Jack and you guys are gone. Yes, we were not allowed to say goodbye. We didn't have that chance. So we had to do a bunch of advertising. You know, I think we put things in the newspaper at that time, like big banners and things like, hey, we're at Star 94.1 now. Um, Jeff and Jer, you're doing like the sides of buses and, and, and billboards and things like that to get people to listen. Right. Did you have sure a, they knew where we were. Did you have a place already to land or when you guys up and left, you weren't quite sure where you were going at that point? I don't really remember the details about that. Okay. I think that we did know. I think that the reason that we said no to Star was because we had said yes to Star 94.1. I see. Or we said yes to iHeart. Got it. Got it. And um, But again, Jeff, 
Jerry's doing Jeff and Jer's deal, but you and Tommy and Randy and the rest of the team have to kind of not, I don't want to send, say fend for yourself yes. because they yes. fend for ourselves. Fend for yourself. You right. Okay. Fend for ourselves. And that's probably why I'm not too clear on details because I never really was involved in the negotiations of a, of where we're going to stay or leave. You know, that was never my decision. That's got to be a tremendous uh, amount of stress. And I know obviously you were going through and you're very open about it. Uh, it's some addiction issues and you're trying to raise, uh, have you had your daughter at this point or just your, uh, your I had my daughter in 2004. So, um, God, did, where did I have my daughter? Yeah. So yeah, I did. I did at Star. Oh my gosh. I did. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on in in your life. But there's uh, a lot going on. Yeah. Did a lot when on. you guys moved over? Uh, did it immediately click again, or was it kind of a rebuilding phase? It was a rebuilding phase. It took a while for people to realize where we were, even though we had a bunch of promotion going on. You know, there sure. were people saying, "Oh, I didn't know where you went," or wait, you're on star 94 one, like weeks later thinking yeah. everybody should know this already. But this <laughs> you know? is, I mean, look, it's before Facebook, it's before social media. It's not very easy to share at that point. You know, you're right. I didn't uh, even think about that. It takes That's a whole true. different sense of, of, of messaging. And did, yes. did everyone go with you? Did best did uh, Jen? No. no. Okay. Best left to go to New York's for a job. They're teaching Jen. She got let go at the end of Star, like near when Jack started happening okay. for some reason, because she had gone into promote uh, programming. Okay, that's right. I remember Tracy, that. She was like the music director, I think. Right. Yes. And for Tracy let her go, I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure why. Um, and then she ended up moving Okay. as well. So I think me, she, I Randy, think she's, still me, Randy, and- And I think Jen's out of the business now. I'm not 100% sure. She's out of the business, she is. Yes. Okay. She yeah. is. Smart woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Things just get worse from here, Chachi. I'm not kidding. All right. So you guys now are back at, the, you're at the new star. 100.7 uh, has switched to Jack. You guys leave uh, across the street over to Clear Channel. They have rebranded their star 94.1. And you guys are now anchoring the new star, if you will. Yes. So that was at 2005. Okay. And, um, I remember the fanfare for that was pretty awesome. I remember it, we were either going to be my 94 one or star 94 one. And Tommy, I remember saying, look, you gotta be star. It has to be star because that'll be way better than my. So it was announced the day we started that it was star 94 one. So that was like, not only were we on this new station, but now this new station had a new name. It was right. Pretty cool. And that was really, Same yeah, taking over the moniker of Star and Star 100.7 right. where you guys were, and then you guys really being the foundation. So you, in a lot of ways, they built this radio station around Jeff and Jer and you. They did. They re, re they redid the, the studio and Tommy said that he was, he had his hand in it, painting the studio. He saw, <laughs> he picked out the carpet. Like it was really kind of cool that we got to design what we, like where we wanted to sit and everything. So I used to sit right across from Jerry and then Jeff sat to my left. He was the one that ran all the controls. What was it like being uh, in the same hallway as Dave Shelley and Chainsaw? Who were big well, competitors? Well, I'm a radio. I'm a radio freak, so I love everything radio. It's exciting to me. I loved seeing the other stations. I loved going down the hall and thinking, "Oh my gosh, I work here. This is so cool." Was you there, know, with all 
Was there any animosity? Because, I mean, there were times where they would poke fun at you guys, you know, on the air as competitors. Yeah, you know what? The way we looked at it is they're talking about us. Whether it's good or bad, we're on their radar. Sure. And um, it's giving us some sort of publicity. We're- so... Jeff we have a problem with that. Jeff and Jer, at least, again, you worked with them and knew them so incredibly well. But, uh, you know, working at the same station with them, they really seemed like uh, just good leaders to be around and to have kind of steward your career, if you will. Were they, and I know you had to negotiate your own deals and you certainly were out in the island from that perspective, but did you feel like they were great cheerleaders for you? Absolutely. Jerry, especially because he was a more touchy feely kind of person, whereas Jeff didn't like the, all the feelings and stuff. <laughs> Jeff, to me, is the funniest human being alive. He is just naturally hysterical. He makes me belly laugh, but he would show his support in his own way. Jerry would be the cheerleader. He's the one that would say, look, you know, when you go in there to negotiate your contract, you ask for the moon, you know, you deserve it. You're da 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 da. So yeah, he would give pep talks a lot. And he'd oh, you know what? Every once in a while I'd get a piece of mail addressed to me and it would at my house. And it would be from Jerry. And he'd write oh, wow. me this note about how good I am on the air. Like a couple times he did that. And that made that made my life. That is you so know? incredibly special. And he actually, I remember when I came up to LA, he helped look over my deal with Clear Channel at the J Corps oh, actually at the time. And he was just me. a really, uh, a really good in- influence from that perspective or, or mentor, I guess, leader. And speaking of Jeff being absolutely hysterical, so you remember the story I told you about how nervous I was when I picked you up in the surf pig. So yeah. Michael, aka the new guy, sent me down to go do the same thing with Jeff. So I went down in the big gigantic purple Cadillac to go pick Jeff up and Jeff was going to go pull some people over with me and give them prizes, you know, one evening. So I'm obviously really nervous because now it's Jeff of Jeff and Jer with me. And so I show up to the front door and I open the front door and no joke, Jeff is standing at the front doorway, completely buck naked. (laughs) (laughs) Just to get a reaction out of me. (laughs) That is awesome. Oh my God. What did you do? It was just completely like, I didn't know what to do. I mean, it was absolutely hysterical because I sure he said something really funny, but just the fact that here's Jeff, this icon standing in his own doorway, buck naked. (laughs) Oh my God. That is completely a Jeff thing to do. That is awesome. (laughs) So what ended up happening at, at Star? How long did you, or Star 94.1, I should clarify. How long were you there? And well, why did that, that uh, so 2006, I was really starting to go downhill um, in my personal life. As far as my addiction goes, it was really getting bad. 2007 happens and that's where uh, I hit rock bottom mm-hmm. and went to rehab. Now I'm on the air and, and, and the whole time, I mean, even before we started at star 94 one, I knew I needed help. I wanted help, but oh my God, I'm too embarrassed, too ashamed to ask anybody or tell anybody. Holy cow. So it was beyond my control. I was put into rehab. Thank God. But 
And by the way, this is such an incredible story. And I just want to bring this up again because it's a whole podcast in and of itself. And Laura, I thank you for going into such amazing detail with uh, Matt Pinfield of Sound and Sobriety. And uh, we're hopefully going to release that here in a few weeks. And I know you also addressed it on your own uh, podcast, uh, Laura Kane, um, After Dark. So just such an amazing story. So I don't want to think for a second that we're glossing over it. It's just that it's so impactful. I recommend that anyone that's listening, check out either Laura Kane After Dark or sound and sobriety. And really quick, not to cut you off, but did Jeff and Jer or little Tom and anyone on the show for that matter, have any idea that you were using? Well, here's a story that, oh my God, this kills me every time I think about it, but it was impactful. Uh, we were at star 94 one and we were, we were in contract negotiations for something. Maybe I was negotiating a raise or so. I don't really remember, it was 2006-ish, and Jerry said, let's go to lunch right. at Shakespeare Cafe down in on India Street. I'm like, okay, and I'm thinking that he's going to help me or guide me, maybe have some advice. So he sits me down, and he looks at me, and he goes, Laura, we don't think we can work with you anymore. Oh, wow. He, he goes, look at you. You look bad, you sound bad, and you're not fun anymore. And oh my God, I burst into tears. I was sobbing because I knew, I knew I did look bad. I sounded bad. I was, I was this close to losing this job. And it pulled me out for a little while. It got me like my head strikes. I was like, oh my gosh, I am so close to fired um, that I was good for a little while. And then boom. Then it hit the big thing. And then I was off the air for three months and they told people that I was, I had uh, family issues or something like that. Right. A lot of people guessed where I was because a lot of times on the air, I'd be sniffly or congested or hung over. And I'd sound, I did sound bad. And I lost my sense of humor sometimes, you know, sure. when you're using, you just lose that fun guttural laugh. You just lose it. It's and, just uh, like everything, almost like you've got shades on all through life, yeah, right? Absolutely. So when I came back, I decided that I was going to tell all our listeners where I was. So I read this long letter that I wrote when I was on the beach, just telling them, just being honest, saying what would happen, what I, you know, I'm Laura Kane, I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And, um, this is my story. And then from there, Things were great. And then 2009 happened. (laughs) We're being let go. And we're like, what? And I mean, that kind of was a blur. I was like, whoa. So that was two years. We were off the air. No, 18 months. We were off the air for 18 months. I thank you for bringing that up because I remember that. Jerry was trying to buy a radio station. So did this happen? Because I was let go at iHeart or Clear Channel at the exact, I think at the exact same time. Was this on President Obama's inauguration day? Was this right around the election when they did the mass layoffs? Yes. Yes. It was, yeah, we were part of that massive. So you were too? I was too. Yeah, myself. And then also, I know you know well, R-Dub, who's down in San Diego at Z90 and Magic with Jagger and Christie. But almost the identical same thing happened to me. I got let go and obviously I'm really close to R-Dub and my, my boss, Greg Ashlock, and 
really bright guy. He's very high up now and uh, with an iHeart. I think he's the head of all, all of radio. Had called me down and did it as humanely as you possibly could. And he said, I'll never forget. He goes, don't tell our dub because I've got to tell him next. And so, uh, oh, God. Like, oh my God. So I walked down to my office and then I see our dub walking, you know, walking down the hall. But uh, yeah, I, I'll never forget that day. It certainly was in, incredibly jarring and didn't know, you know, what yeah, I was going to do very, Well, it wasn't anything compared to the last one, but I'll get to that. Okay. So 18 months goes by. Jerry, in the meantime, was trying to buy a radio station because he thought, you know what, what better? We could create our own content. We could create, we could do our own music. We don't have to listen to anybody. We, we won't be let go like this again. I'm going to buy a radio station. One thing led to another. Things fell through. It's not as easy as it seems to buy uh, a signal sure. down here. Um, a lot of the signals come from Mexico and they were kind of dealing with them. And it was, it just didn't, it just fell apart. Got it. And you um, guys were doing a podcast at this point, correct? I mean, you were really early on in the podcast space. I think in someone's garage, oh God, if I remember. That's right. Because I remember watching a few of those. Jeff's garage, Jerry's garage. Yes. Yes. You guys were really early in the podcast space. You were doing that, but I didn't realize that 18 months had gone by before you guys got back on a terrestrial station. We thought it would be a few months and we'd be picked up like that, you know? Uh, well, luckily, Bob Bollinger was working over at Kixie 96.5, and he hired us, thank God. But the thing is, I went from making, like, I think at my height, I probably made, like, $250,000. Wow. That's amazing. I, mean, I I used to call it funny money. Like, <laughs> like I can't believe I make more than a doctor. Like that's doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. But then, so I'm used to making this kind of money, right? Sure. And you live and, to, and you live usually to what you make. It's very rare for someone to uh, make a big salary and then you know save two thirds of it. Generally, and I'm assuming was so the same, was the same thing happening with you. Same thing. Yeah. And uh, I had to move because I couldn't afford the rent anymore. And then Bob comes around and we're, we're negotiating our contracts. I was like, oh, good, finally. And he said, Laura, let's start you at 65000 I was like, what? Oh, that was a gut punch too. Sure. Because now you've you know, gone back to kind of where you were when you first, I remember you mentioned you made about 50 when, which at the time you're like, oh my God, this is all the money in the world. But then you get up to $250,000 and you're like, how could I possibly get by on 65? It was hard, but luckily, you know, as the years went by at Kixie, we were there from 2005, was it? No, 2014. Oh, I don't know. Somewhere in there to 2017. So 2012. Okay. So five, five years. 2017. Yeah. We were there for five years. And now Kixie and, at that you know, point, we, was Kixie more of like a mainstream AC? Because when I left San Diego, it was a very kind of AC station. Was it a hot AC at this yes. point? Or, okay. Did that shift at all what you guys did on no, air? No, it, it was still kind of soft rock, soft rock type. Okay. And um, I remember that's when they started adding music to the mix. And we weren't used to having any songs sure. in the morning. I mean, we were all talk. Right. And the last hour, the nine to 10 hour was now completely music. That seemed to be the way that the, the radio stations were going now, kind of taking talent out of the picture. Yeah, because that which, was, I think, the first initial reaction to PPM. And people were really reactionary. The with, evil PPM. Yeah, yeah. So don't, don't talk, play more music, right? Exactly. 
Exactly. And, and you know what? People who listen to talk radio want to hear people talk. They don't, if people want to hear music, we'll listen to a music station. You know what I mean? Sure. Am I wrong? No, I think you're not only do I think you're 100% right. I think in a lot of ways, that is what destroyed radio as we know it is that we overreacted. It was a convenient way at the time to let go of talent because you could say, hey, PPM is showing us play more music, talk less. And that's when Clear Channel went through their whole less is more and everything else. And that happened to kind of coincide with the way the economy was going. And so here, let's just do that. And we ran off a lot of tremendous talent that went off to go and do other things, whether, you know, they completely different industries. But I think we look back at that. And unfortunately, it was kind of a dark spot in, uh, Mm -hmm. in radio. Uh, and we, yeah, I mean, do we still have PPM? I don't even know. Yeah, no, absolutely. PPM still in the top 50 markets and is okay. still, you know, the way is that- it better now. More, uh- <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> um, there's a lot of, uh, it's what we have. It's the currency we all have to live on. And, you know, mm-hmm. Nielsen will say that it's getting better and they're working on their in-tab. But the fact of the matter is in LA, I think the in-tab is about 3,000 people carry a meter. So you've got about three, maybe even a little bit less than that. And this is for a market that's in excess of 10 million people. And so that is, wow. it's an incredibly small sample. And so one or two meters can change everything dramatically. And the difference mm-hmm. between diary and a meter is that a meter holder, and I may be wrong with this, but I think it's this case. I think a meter uh, holder can hold it in excess of a year. So if they're a oh, fan wow. of a station, uh, it's very hard to then convert someone to another station. So you can kind of have these dramatic ebbs and flows by just one or two meters can change everything for wow. you. Yeah. Wow. Are, so, are uh, people still like hiring and firing people based on PPM uh, data? Yeah, I think it's still, you know, again, it's what we have and everyone's kind of bought, whether it's a good currency or a bad currency, we've all decided mm-hmm. the ad agencies and the industry that this is what we're going to use, television for that yeah. matter as well. And so that is what we, and I think, and I don't mean to bag and, and dog on Nielsen, they are, I think, do the best that they possibly can, but is there certainly, uh, could it be a bigger sample, uh, yes. And they say, yeah, it could be, but it would cost more money. Therefore, we'd have to charge the radio stations more money. So it becomes this very oh, I see. Uh, difficult cycle to- <laughs> Well, that was like, yes. Th- those were the years we were at Kixies, right? When, you know, when that started up and, you know, ratings weren't worth what they were according to this new system, you yeah. know? We still had a lot of fun, but that's when Jerry decided to retire. I remember the the coffee date. He took us all out and he's like, you guys- at the end of this year, I'm retiring and uh, Jeff will continue to do the job. We'll still call it, we'll call it Jeff in the showgram. And um, it was really sad. We didn't want to see Jerry to go, but he, he retired. Jeff and me and Tommy, Randy and Emily, and we carried it as best we could. And then came the meeting. This one I will never forget. The general manager, I don't even remember his name at so the time. Bob Bob has left. Bob had left and this new guy came. And he pulls us into the conference room and he said, You guys, I just have to say it has been such an honor working for the great Jeff and Jer show. And I'm thinking, oh. Well, that's awfully nice. This guy's going to retire. He's moving on. He's telling us it's kind of nice. <laughs> he's going to give us and an award. Goes, right. Something. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm smiling. 
And he goes, but today was your last day on the air. And like my jaw just dropped. I, I just looked at Jeff and Jeff just had like these spaced out eyes. And I looked at Tommy. Tommy was already on his phone, probably trying to get a job. Another job right quick. <laughs> and uh, I remember carrying my headphones across the parking lot to my car. And then I just burst into tears. And I tell you what, Chachi, since that day, it has been a struggle being in radio. It really, truly has. Because all I want to do is morning radio. That's all I really want to do. It's all I know how to do, really. Sure. I mean, I have my podcast. I do weekends on Star and everything. And I, I do traffic in the morning. But my heart is is for a morning radio show. And I, I mean, maybe one day, I know these jobs are so few and far between. They, and it's a matter of like getting in there when somebody's leaving, you know, but there's always somebody ahead of you that's already got the job. It's it's tough. It's really tough. It's a very, as you know, nomadic business. And you've been in a lot of ways incredibly fortunate to have the opportunity to, you know, you're, you're incredibly talented, but also I think I think part of it is hard work and talent. The other part is luck. And to oh, for sure. fall into that situation sure. with, with Jeff and Jer and to stay in San Diego, which is, you know, arguably the best city on the planet. Uh, is Thank God, I know. Is incredibly rare. Luck Would is you- right. Luck is right. And you know what? I couldn't leave. Even if I felt like, you know, during the time, like from 2017, that was when we got laid off. Um, those first couple of years, I could have gone to another market, but right. I have kids and they're in school. Sure. I can't leave. Sure. You know, I have them 50% of the time because now my husband and I are divorced and there's no way. So I've just had to, you know, when- scrape and... When you guys left uh, Kixie and were in, were let go, and that came, it sounds like a surprise. It was just kind of mm-hmm. T-boned. Did you guys consider potentially trying to do the show somewhere else, or did you guys just kind of decide, hey, this was going to be it, and you'd go your separate ways? Well, this is kind of interesting. Uh, so that was in, I want to say June October, Jeff sent us a text message and said, hey, guys, I'm moving to Sacramento. But I knew at that point, like, oh, gosh, that our hope of one being together again, it's it's not going to happen, you know. And then it was hard to come to terms with that. You so know? Jeff takes an opportunity to move up to Sacramento and uh, work at K-Love, which is a, a Christian network, correct? Yes. And. Tommy, has he, because I know Tommy is now at iHeart. Uh, had he already taken that position or was he still kind of checking out different opportunities? He was still checking out other opportunities, but I'm sure he had his irons in the fire for sure. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that we're talking about all of this because last night we had Tommy on my podcast, which is, you mentioned Laura Kane After Dark. Yeah. And we were going through the chrono, you know, all the stations. I'm like, oh my God, I was just on Chachi's show doing the same thing. But, uh, but Tommy has, he's doing so much. Like this guy never sleeps or never takes a day off. He's, he's he's on the TV side now. Yeah. I heard he's got a, a television show. I think it airs every weekend, right? He does, uh, the booking for the TV show, the TV station KUSI. He does the morning show booking and the evening news booking for guests. He also uh, does KGB on the weekends, and he also has a TV show 
that is on cable live with Sully. I think it's called Sully is the main host. Yeah. And then he I think I've seen he's had, the host. he's had Eddie, Eddie uh, Papani on it and shotgun Tom. Have you been on it yet? Yeah, I was on it with Emily. Oh, that's great. We were on it together. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So he, I, I guess he's already had like 75 shows. Oh my gosh. That's huge. That is, that's right now. So he's doing a lot of stuff. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think at iHeart, he serves as executive producer. I think overseeing all producers of all radio shows. Yeah, I I, I think I you're think, right. And what a, what a fantastic role, I mean, role for him. Makes sense. Uh, I mean, he's the best there is. I, I couldn't agree more. Tell me a bit, because I want to get into yes. what you're doing now, and I also want to get updates on the rest of the Jeff and Jer crew. Uh, but let's get the updates on the Jeff and Jer crew, and then I want to talk about when you found out that you were getting inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame, and then we'll talk about uh, what you're doing now. So Tommy's doing great. Okay. How, how is Randy doing? Oh, gosh. Randy is living at home still uh, <laughs> with his wife, though, and his child. Oh, that's good. I know. <laughs> He's a homeboy, but for a good reason, because his parents are very elderly, so he serves as their caretaker. And fortunately, his mom just passed about, probably about a year ago, maybe. Okay. And uh, so he's taking care of his father and his daughter, who he is vocal about, has special needs. So he uh, he's busy. He's He's got a lot on his plate. So I, I feel for him, you know, we've had him on the podcast as well. And he's been on Tommy's show too. Oh, fantastic. And it's just a good relief for him to like actually laugh and be silly and, you know. Another uh, chachi uh, uh, close encounter with fame. Somehow, and I don't even remember why, but Randy and I go to Vegas for some radio event. It might have been one of those radio mega blasts or something like that. And we ended up uh, being roommates at uh, at a hotel <laughs> in Vegas for a week for a weekend for some event. And I just remember him being such a, a nice guy and just such a, a a fun person to hang out with. And I cannot remember for the life of me why we were there, but I just remember having such a good time with him and flying there with him. And did so you forth. guys make some kind of crazy bet for us for like Jeff and Jerry yes. or something? Did you did I, he have to put some money on black or something? I think we did. I I call, that sounds so familiar to me, but I think we absolutely yeah. did. Yeah. This whole trip sounds familiar to me too. Yeah. <laughs> Two dorkiest guys going to Vegas together. And I promise you, we didn't get into oh any, any trouble because we're just not capable of it. I'm sure you did not. <laughs> <laughs> Please give Randy so my that's best. that's what Randy's up to. He's the, I will. He is just, I love him. You can tell anything to Randy and he's the uh, most non-judgmental person you uh, will find. Really good guy. Um, so then uh, Emily, who joined us when we were at Star 94.1 and came with us to Kixie, she was lucky enough and talented enough to get onto another morning show. So she, she's on Rock 105.3. With Eddie, I just met her for the first time in Chicago at Morning Show. Yeah, Morning Show Boot Camp. But uh, really, oh. really cool. Yeah. Um, so happy. You know, I love her. They're having all sorts of success uh, in, in San Diego yes. and uh, re- really happy for Eddie. He's such a great guy. And, yeah. Uh, so that's he great. He is. I love Eddie. So Emily's doing and then, fantastic. And then where's, where's Jerry? Jerry and I had lunch about six months ago, I think. And he is just loving being retired. He's been traveling all over the place. I think he's been to Africa like three times on safari. He now has added dogs to his 
plethora of cats <laughs> that he and Tom have. And uh, he's just enjoying living life to the fullest. Oh. And so he, you know, we talked about some radio stuff, but he kind of didn't really even want to talk about radio. He just wanted to talk about life, you know? I will. So he's uh, kind of in that mode. I'll share with you that uh, you guys are so, always talked about at Morning Show Boot Camp and uh, some of the uh, speeches that Jerry had given in the past and the panels that you guys oh, were on. Yeah. You're just uh, you're legends at uh, at Morning Show Boot Camp in in Chicago. It was Morning Show Boot Camp was fun. It oh. was so fun, and I felt like royalty. I really did because here are these radio stations coming up to us like. You know, I'm enamored by them. They're enamored by me. And it was just the coolest feeling ever. For, for sure. So cool. Still a great, great event. You guys are going to have to uh, have to come back and, uh, and make an appearance. I think I want to. they would, uh, Don Anthony. Me and Tommy should go. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We would sponsor that. That would be such a cool, fun panel. And where is Jeff? Is he still in Sacramento? Jeff moved to Tennessee oh, where re- he's living with his wife oh. and his daughter, Mia. Good for in Nashville. Yeah, because that's where his wife is from. So he decided, you know, I think his ultimate goal is to go go back to Ohio. That's where he's from, and he's always had a soft spot in his heart for Ohio. Very, very, very few people's ultimate goal is to go back to Ohio. Not to knock <laughs> Ohio. Mike McVeigh is in Cleveland, and he he loves it there. So uh, my, I'm not knocking Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, is he still <laughs> is he still in the air at uh, Caleb? Oh, no, no. No, okay. He got laid off at Caleb. They had some big thing that he was a part of, unfortunately. Oh, okay. And then after that, I think he just, he's like, you know what? It's time for me to retire. Yeah. So he did too. I got to imagine with such a successful career, he doesn't need to work. I'm sure he's in a in a, in a great financial right. position. Right. I think so. he's going to be okay. <laughs> good, good for him. So talking about uh, just the morning show royalty that you were, uh, tell me about when you found out you guys were uh, getting inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. Well, we were at Kixie and um, it was 2016, right before we got blown out. And I remember Jerry saying something like, hey, guys, we have this opportunity. I think we've been nominated to be in the Radio Hall of Fame. I was like, whoa, that's so cool. You know, like Steve Harvey's in the Hall of Fame. Who else is in the Hall of Fame? Rick Dees, I'm sure, is in the Hall of Fame. Like all the big names, Scott Scott Shannon Shannon, and... Yeah. And, uh, oh, I think Dave Craddock maybe posthumously is in the re- yeah. the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. That guy was just the best, huh? Oh, uh, unbelievable. And so much respect oh. to, you know, Kelly Raspberry and everyone else that's kept oh, that yeah. show going on. It's For still sure. wildly successful after, uh, you know, Kid, I think, passed, I'm guessing, seven or eight years, years ago. ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Been a while. But they're doing really? fan- doing fantastic. And uh, a dear friend of mine syndicates that show. And uh, I... I don't know the, sh- the total number, but I think they're close to 50 affiliates. I mean, it's a big powerhouse of a great. show. Yeah. Good. It deserved to keep going yeah, in his name. And I love that. But anyway, so I'm like, no, there's no way. Cause we're only on one station. We're only in one market. You know, people in New York probably don't even know who we are. So why would they put us in the, the hall of fame, you know? Right. Um, and then Tommy's like, I've been nominated as the only producer, radio producer ever in the Radio Hall of Fame. So then it came down to, okay, is are we going to be in it? We were nominated and we got Jerry, I think was the one that got the letter. And he's like, you guys, our picture, he goes, you know what? I don't want it to be of just Jeff and I. I want it to be of the whole show because the whole show is successful. 
and the whole, all you guys have contributed to our success. So all the whole, a picture of all of us hangs in the museum in Chicago and I would love to go visit it someday. You, you've not been have there? Have you been to the museum? No, I actually no. haven't. I haven't. Well, I think I'm going to, I'm calling Don Anthony out right now, but I think little Tommy, Laura Kane, it'd be great to have Randy. Great to have all of you guys come out for morning show boot camp this year. Yes. And I would for you love to be that. able to visit, uh, you know, visit the hall of fame. I've not been myself. I would actually love to see it. And I know it's, it's the highest honor in, in the industry. So uh, I just love that Jerry got it before he retired, that we got yeah. it before we were off the air. I just, that we got it while we were still doing what we love, you know? Tough question for you. And I think, as a show, you guys should be so incredibly proud of everything that you accomplished and just the impact and all you did. I mean, all the charity work you did, Becky's house, and you guys did so many of the, the breaking and entering Christmas and all the, the flag, the human flag. flag. Yeah. I mean, so many wonderful things for the community and you are so uh, endeared in, in San Diego. I know Jeff and Jer had opportunities to syndicate and they turned those opportunities down because they wanted to be as local as they possibly could, which I think is such a great thing. And obviously it served them well. In retrospect, do you think that that may have shut your guys's, the showgrams? I know Jerry retired on his own terms, but it sounded like the rest of you guys would have gone on. And if you were in a syndicated format, you probably could have. Is that something do you think that you guys ever talk about or regret or, and not to say regrets. I but- always felt like we should be on other radio stations. We were married to San Diego and that was our heart and our core. But I felt like what we brought to the table could entertain people in Kentucky, in Alaska, you know? Yeah. And I really always pushed them, please, let's syndicate. We should be on other stations. And then they were thinking, you know, how hard it is to to bump up against time constraints and to be able to only talk about vague things, not focus on San Diego. They just didn't want to disappoint our listeners. That's just the bottom line. Which is incredibly admirable. And it is harder to syndicate from the West Coast going back East. East Coast uh, talent have an advantage. But if you look at your contemporaries, certainly Craddock, who's not with us, but his show still lives on. Bert is is doing well. I think that you guys would still, at least my two cents, would still be a a big show around the country. And I uh, agree with you. I mean, yes, I wish we had. I don't think they do. I think that they are happy with the decision that they made. Yeah. Well, and that makes, I I get it. makes perfect sense. You can't argue with the careers that they had and the success that they had. I mean, they. Gosh, you know, oh, it'd be so great if we were still on the air. Damn it. Go back in time and just syndicate. That would be the best. But you had an opportunity that very few people have in their lives to really be on a rocket ship. And you got to ride that rocket ship for a a great career and something you should be so uh, uh, incredibly proud of. And uh, uh, it was uh, so much fun for me to just be a little tiny fraction, you know, a, a part of it. I'll, I'll give you one more story and then let's get into what you're doing now. But I remember when we were doing the world to your hurl and uh, we were all down at the roller coaster and you guys didn't really want to be at the roller coaster because it was a pain in the ass to broadcast from, especially <laughs> early in the morning from this damp, uh, right. rusty, uh, you know, roller coaster by the beach. But I think uh, you were told, hey, you guys need to be down there. And so you're down there one morning and I, you had the whole crew, the whole showgram was there and I got 
to board up and here I'm board opping for Jeff and Jer oh like live. And I'm like, oh my, I was again, just shaking in my boots. So incredibly nervous while I was board opping <laughs> for you guys listening in. But that was just magical. Just these little parts, you know, picking you up in the surf pig and Jeff uh, board opping for you going to Vegas with Randy. I mean, so many little things and the advice that Tommy had given me and Jared had given me, you guys were all so incredibly generous. And I learned so much, even though I was such a small little uh, fraction of, um, of your guys' career. But uh, congrats on all of that, being in the Radio Hall of Fame. How did what? you do board hopping, by the way? I think I screwed up one time. I think I seem to recall <laughs> oh, no. Jerry getting pissed at me down the line. I think I maybe I started a, a spot too soon or, or something. I think it, it went pretty well, I was darn. I going to say, did Jerry yell at you? Yeah, I I'm think sure I, got, I, I got yelled at just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> ranks up there with, I had Smokey Robinson throw his headphones at me one time. When I was working, I was helping produce a show for uh, Theo here in town. This was years back. And I was filling in for him and he had left the studio and his show ended at like 6.50 and Smokey came on at 7. And the top of the hour, Smokey had a, uh, a break going into the top of the hour song, but the basically the stop set was ending, you know, at 6.58. And so I had the decision to either put a fill song in or just start the top of the hour song. So I made the decision to start the top of the hour song, therefore basically screwing up Smokey's break that he was planning to do into that song that he had already pre-recorded. And so he hurled his headphones, not really directly at me, but in the vicinity of me because he was pretty upset. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Here's, here's another story. I also got yelled at by the, the great late Casey Kasem. And this is when I was programming <gasps> here at, uh, at K-Big and we had made a mistake at the radio station. Uh, I can't remember who made the mistake, but we accidentally aired basically the second hour of his show before the first hour of his show. It got loaded in wrong into the system. And so instead of starting the show at, you know, number 20, we started the show at number 10. <laughs> oh, no. Did he, get, he got furious. Yeah, probably. I had an upset and he would listen to us because he lived here in LA. So we were the station that oh, he listened no. to. And so, yeah, I got in, in, he was 100% right, by the way. It was a bad mistake. Well, and yeah. Yeah, so I, I can't spite uh, when your talent, uh, like Jer or Smokey or uh, the late uh, Casey, I completely get it. You know who I felt sorry for were the salespeople because if, <laughs> if you dared go into the studio during the show hours and you're a salesperson, you're dead. You are dead. Jerry just did not have one ounce of patience for that. <laughs> not one ounce. And oh my God, I'd see them like coming by the door. I was like, oh God, please don't come in. Please don't come in. Please. <laughs> oh gosh, it was so scary. Uh, tell me about your uh, your podcast, Laura Kane After Dark. Oh. And it's uh, with your best, uh, your uh, co-host with your best friend, Eric Rimmer. Yes. So it's uh, called Laura Kane After Dark. We've been doing it now for two and a half years. We got our very first sponsorship. Congratulations. That's Thank fantastic. You. Who's the sponsor? I mean, Crack Tacos. All right. I like it. Crack I love it. In Mission Valley. <laughs> it's awesome. But it's like, you know, it's just like getting your first. It, it It's symbolic. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Because we've been working really hard. And, you know, when people say, oh, I'm going to start a podcast, I just go, well, that's nice and good luck because it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work because it's so vague. You have to, people have to want to hear you. 100%. They have to seek you out. Yep. 
So you have to the, be compelling vast, and you have to get your name out there. The it's hard. Vast majority of podcasters quit after six episodes. Uh, very few continue to, uh, to go after that. It is, it's incredibly hard. It's a lot of prep. It's, uh, not, not easy at all. And, uh, you guys. Yeah. Are, Cause I mean, you don't have commercials, right? I mean, if you're lucky you do, but you generally don't. So you have your content. We do an hour show. So we have to come up with, you know, an hour's worth of content. We record two shows every Monday night because we run on Tuesdays and Thursdays okay. nights and, um, that's a lot of talking. I listened the other night. I was uh, driving back from the desert and I was listening to the episode about your new roommate. And, uh, oh. and uh, so I did, I, I checked out a bit of it, but it's, it's, it's a great show. And uh, tell me a bit about kind of the, the prep that you're doing and how do you come up with the topics? Well, Eric, for Eric's my gay best friend and I've known him now for about 16 years and he's just the most pleasant, funny, uh, hot-headed guy you want to know. I mean, he's awesome. And, and I and I did hear he he's your best friend, but he has another best friend. Am I correct? Right. <laughs> I am not his best friend. But you know what? Like I said on the podcast, I'm okay with that because yeah. I bow down to Marla. They've known each other since like grade school, whatever. And I think you, you got her on the phone. I heard part of that as well. Yes, <laughs> we did. We did. So, you know, the first hour, what we do is we start off with something we call host chat. So we'll talk about like just something that happened. Like, for example, yesterday we talked about, I talked about this breathing class. Have you ever heard of these breathing classes you can take? Yeah, these I seminars have. Where I've not been to one. You lay down, you breathe so deep, like you, your childhood comes out or something. I mean, it's crazy stuff I read about. So I was thinking about buying a $68 ticket by myself to go to this breathing thing. And Eric's like, you're crazy. You know, that's a waste of money. <laughs> so that's kind of like, that was my host chat for yesterday. Okay. And then Eric was talking about like some spider that reared up at him at his, in his bed. So we start with that. And then Eric on Tuesdays has his double D. That's what we call the daily dirt or the celebrity gossip. Okay. You know? And then we have like a couple bits that we do. And last night was our first night live streaming on YouTube. It was great. It's, I mean, it's scary. I'm sure. using OBS. You know what OBS is? I've heard of oh, OBS. Um, it's yeah. a, uh, like a streaming broadcast system, right? Of some sort. Correct. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's what I'm using to put on the show. And so I have like this opening slide and then we come on and then the closing slide. I mean, this guy taught me how to do it because I didn't know anything about YouTube. And I thought, you know what? we got to venture out into YouTube because not only do should they hear us, but maybe they should see us too. For Who sure. knows if they're going to want to watch an hour's worth of a people, two talking heads. Right. But <laughs> we do a lot of things on the show. We do beauty hacks, you know, like we bring in stuff. We're always putting on masks or plucking eyebrows or doing right. something or other like that. So um, it's just about our lives and like my dating life, which is not happening right now. And um, but when it does, it's oftentimes very funny <laughs> and, um, and sad at the same time. <laughs> so we talk about freaking everything. Would you say a lot of what you learned on the showgram you've been able to now apply in your podcast? So it sounds like you're very real, yeah. much like you were on the show, but you've got you're able to go more in depth uh, in Laura Kane After Dark. One hundred percent. I mean, there was a point where Eric and I, because He's a little naughty. And like when we talk, we can sometimes go to the naughty side. <laughs> so there were a couple of podcasts early on where people were like, what? 
my mom called me and she's like, Lord, you cannot <laughs> talk like this. This is not proper. Don't. It's not funny or it's not entertaining. I was like, whoa, mom. Okay. So we've, we've tried to, because you know, you can say anything on a podcast. Sure. So we took advantage of that. <laughs> you got to have a purpose. You've got to know who your listeners are and you have to serve them. Because you have to make something that they will gain something from, either whether it be knowledge, whether it be a laugh, a smile, companionship, something. You have to give your listeners something. They deserve it. A great, and your sponsors, too. That is a great, great lesson for yeah. uh, so many people that are looking to become talent or or our talent, uh, because uh, you couldn't say any better than that. I completely 100% agree. Well, thanks. I'm on Star 94.1, back at Star. That's crazy. <laughs> doing traffic, weekends. right? No, I do. I'm on the air there. Oh, you're the doing weekend. it on air shift on the weekends. Yeah. So oh, I'm on the wildly popular, don't get jealous, 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. Saturday morning. Are you doing that live? Please. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. I love that you're doing oh it though. Oh my God, I'm dead. <laughs> but uh, I'm on. So if you're, if you're driving around at three in the morning, listening to Star, there I am. Are you doing- But I'm also on Saturday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night. Oh, how, how fun. Are you doing uh, any request shows or just uh, a regular log or uh, what are you doing on the show? Just a regular log. Okay. There are very few times when I can, I talk into a commercial break and I get to talk a little bit more, but mainly I just talk between oh, the songs. That's great. And let, you know, every once in a while, there'll be like a 20 second opening song. So I get to talk a little bit more. Yeah, it's so much fun. You know, because I try to keep the bed underneath, you know? Yeah. Are you going into the studio to record the tracks? Or are you doing those from home? Yes. Okay. That's yes, fun. I'm doing that in the studio. So I love it. Yeah. I love being able to go back in. I mean, even though there's not as many people as there used to be there, but it's still it's, neat to to be in the building. I love it. For sure. That whole energy. And I'm so happy to hear that they should be taking advantage of your name and your personality in that market. So that's, that's right. Cool. I mean, like, why aren't they taking more advantage of me? Yeah. I don't, I'm like, I will fill in for anybody. If you want to take a vacation, just use me. And I send yeah. them air checks like every other day, just like, can I, can I, can I? I'm just, I feel like I'm back in college starting my career again because I'm telling you what, Chachi, it's hard. I had to reinvent myself. It's That's, freaking hard. It's incredibly difficult, but I've got so much respect for you for doing that because not only, again, back to that rocket ship in a lot of ways, what an exciting time, but it gave you, it, it thrust you into this amazing show and this amazing situation so quickly that in some ways, and by the way, the same thing happened to me on, on the programming side that I didn't have a real sense of what so many people had to do working in all these small markets and working their way up to get into a market like San Diego, uh, you know, their entire career. And so now to kind of rebuild those fundamentals, I think is kind of like when Tiger Woods had to uh, redo his swing and you're basically reworking all of those kind of basics, if you will, but that are so instrumental to the future of your career. I always keep my ego in check because the minute you get an ego, it's no bueno in radio because people 
listen. They know sincerity and they know fakeness, you know, and they can tell when you have an ego. When you have an ego, you don't see things clearly. So I'm I'm not saying that people should use me on the air. And I'm not saying that because I have an ego. I'm just saying because I'm eager and I'm willing to do whatever oh, it takes. I'm yeah. hungry. For sure. And so you're also doing traffic and you do traffic on, on what stations? I know you're on with Jagger and Christy on Magic because I've heard them mention I'm on, before. oh my gosh, what station am I not on? I'm on Jamma 95.7, Channel 9.3.3, Star 94.1, KLSD, 91X, and Z90. Oh my gosh. How, is that fun for you or is it kind of really manic because you've got to go from station to station to station so quickly? Well, I like it because it's very structured uh-huh. and it keeps me busy. Sure. However, there's not one. The only creative thing I can do with traffic is to come up with different words for crash <laughs> or accident, <laughs> collision, tangle, fender bender. Like, it's just like I have to come up with different sounding fun words, you know, to make it more exciting. Otherwise, it's the same thing. Right. Over and over again. Do some of the hosts, so are, not- they, are they interacting with you uh, back and forth? You know, when I fill in for the girl, the main girl that does um, Jagger and Christy, uh-huh. she gets to interact with them. So when I fill in for her, I get to interact with Jagger and Christy, which Got is really it. fun. But otherwise, no, it's all recorded. Okay. So it kind of sucks. But um, I mean, I love it. I'm grateful for it. Sure. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But- and I like being exposed to all those stations. How cool is that? But I just wish it was a little bit more interactive. Sure. But those service elements you know? are still, still so incredibly important, I think, for the medium. You're going to celebrate 15 years of sobriety next month. Uh, you're also the honorary chairperson for a new path strut for sobriety. I know we've talked a little bit about this. And uh, and again, check out Sound and Sobriety and also Laura Kane After Dark for uh, just a, a remarkable story that's so inspirational. But I do want to touch on it a little bit. Uh, congratulations on 15 years. How does that feel uh, to really just completely change your life? And how do you feel 15, later, 15 years later? I feel extremely fortunate that I got this thing nailed down before my children were old enough to realize what was going on. I feel grateful that it happened the way that it did, as painful as it was. It really, it's a miracle that I'm a, that I'm here today, that I'm not in jail, that I'm not dead, or that I hurt somebody. I mean, it's just, it feels so good to wake up feeling good. It feels so good to drive on the freeway any time of night knowing I won't be pulled over for drinking, maybe speeding, but not drinking. Um, (laughs) I'm the designated driver whenever I go out with my girlfriends and I'm totally okay with that. I love it. And I love that my kids, it's for my kids mainly that, and it's for me mainly, don't get, no, it's for me. Because if I'm sober and I'm happy and my sobriety comes first, everybody else benefits, you know? Congratulations. And I think- So I'm very happy and I, it's March 7th. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do yet to celebrate, but I should do something. Going to have a a big cake for sure. And uh, thank you for everything that you do to uh, help other addicts. Uh, It really is God's work in so many ways. And uh, I am incredibly grateful for that. Uh, What is New Path Strut for Sobriety? That is an organization of moms who have children who are addicted one way or another to one kind of drug or another, helping other moms deal with 
their addict child and how to speak to them, how to how to conduct life having a child that is addicted. It's hard. It's all really hard, but we raise money and we're trying to get rid of the stigma that is drug addiction. Because when you hear somebody, oh, he's a drug addict, uh, you toss him aside. Sure. Oh, he's a loser. He's a complete loser. I don't want. We're trying to speak better words. We're trying to kill that stigma because these people are good people. They're just addicted to a substance and that's not their fault. And could we not, want to uh, could uh, not ag- the word. That's what we're doing. Could not agree more. A uh, dear friend of my uh, father's uh, started a, uh, a rehab center and taught me a lot. And I've been through uh, Al-Anon and addiction, believe it or not, impacts more people than cancer does. And it is completely non-discriminatory. It doesn't matter. It doesn't care how much money you make, a little much, a little money you make, your race, your sex, it impacts everyone. And uh, I think it's fantastic that you are so dedicated to helping others uh, get sober and anything we can possibly do to help New Path Strut for sobriety, please don't hesitate to reach out. Sure. We're uh, absolutely supportive. You mentioned Charlie earlier. You said he's 21, six foot five. Does he live in San Diego? No, he lives in Oregon now. He's at the University of Oregon. So oh. he's graduating this June. How exciting. I have a daughter who's 17 who's graduating high school in June. Oh, that's great. So I have two graduations coming up and then I'm going to be an empty nester. I can't, I don't even know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to like love it or hate it. Does Charlie, uh, do you think he'll stay in Oregon or does he plan to come back down to San yes. Diego? Or- Okay. He wants to go to Portland. He's in Eugene now because that's Got where it. the university is. But he he's more of an Oregon type of kid. So Portland's he, a beautiful I mean, city. Man, I should call him a yeah. man. I, I get it. <laughs> Portland is, it's absolutely beautiful. Just uh, an amazing, amazing city. I've got uh, uh, several friends up there. What does he want to do? Does he want to follow in his mom's uh, footsteps? No, okay. he does not. He's a psychology major. Oh, wow. Who is currently working, pressing together tofu. So <laughs> I don't really know what he's going to do, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's right. Working in, uh, in tofu is going to set him up perfectly for Portland. There's a great uh, food scene and vegetarian <laughs> right? food scene up there. So <laughs> right? yeah. that's great. Exactly. And then your, your daughter, Evan Elizabeth, uh, who's getting ready to graduate, did she apply to schools or what is she going to do after oh, graduation? Oh, God. She applied to 18. Oh, my gosh. And she's in musical theater. So she's had auditions and callbacks and she kicks me out of the house every time there is one because she can't do it in front of me apparently (laughs) so I have to go like sit in my car while this happens but like we're talking like NYU and USC and UCLA and uh, a lot of schools in the in the east coast on the east coast okay and that scares me sure I'm sad I mean I don't want her to be that far away but well, the good news is you'll be able to get on a plane and visit. And uh, that's a good problem to have in that, uh, yes, you know, true. she's uh, getting considered by such fantastic institutions. Laura, congratulations on your 15 years of sobriety, all of your success. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's really just been uh, an absolute pleasure to learn more about you. And uh, thank you for everything that you've done uh, for radio and now podcasting. Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Chachi. This means the world to me. You have no idea. And I really hope that people who don't know who I am find this interesting. <laughs> you know? I hope I that will... they like go, 
think that this is an, a fun thing to listen to there, or a good thing to listen to. We are in so many ways a wacky, crazy industry, but uh, also it's something that I love in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's this community that I just couldn't imagine not being in. And so I'm very thankful that we do have people within the industry that love to listen to this and hear stories of uh, successful broadcasters, including yourself. So I promise you there yeah. are there are some of us out there that are going to find this. Well, I found it very interesting and I promise you there's some others that will as well. Well, I really appreciate it. You have no idea. And I, I talked about you on my podcast. So oh, that so you, you, you'll you get are, a few more listeners. You are so kind. Thank you so much, Laura. Really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thanks for listening to Chachi Loves Everybody. If you like the show, we hope you'll leave us a five-star rating and tell your friends. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been a Benstown Podcast production, hosted and researched by Dave Chachi Dennis. Executive producer, Kevin Horton. Produced and edited by Tom Green. Show coordinator, Juliana Parisi and Laura Keeney.